There are so many religions in the world. How are they similar and how are they different? We need to know. The culturally correct view is to blend them all together as equally relevant and legitimate. But is that true? Prior to becoming a follower of Jesus, your host, Mike Shreve, was an avid seeker of truth, exploring many paths to spirituality. One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. This is the first session in a series on 15 Reasons I No Longer Believe in Reincarnation. Well, you might be thinking, no longer believe in reincarnation? When did you? Well, for you that don't know, back in 1970, I was a teacher of Kundalini Yoga at four universities in Florida. I was also running a yoga ashram, and I was very committed to the idea of reincarnation. That was what I believed was the spiritual journey, the evolutionary journey of the soul, and I was sold on it. In fact, the man who witnessed to me and won me to the Lord, uh, I'm sure would remember how I balked on that one doctrine. I said, uh, if I give my heart to Jesus, if I become a Christian, there's one belief I will never give up. And he said, what is it? I said, reincarnation. I thought it was just absolutely a logical approach to life. And thankfully, he gave me a big smile, emanating the joy of the Lord. And he said, don't worry about that. Just try Jesus. He knew if I ever had an encounter with the Lord, that my doctrine would get more aligned properly because you can't understand truth with an unregenerated mind. And he understood that once I was born again, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, would lead me and guide me into all truth. And of course, I believe in just one life now. The Bible says there is just one life in Hebrews chapter 9. So I have sympathy for those who believe in this idea. I understand why they are committed to this concept, because I once was. And so I'm going to go through the 15 reasons that concept of reincarnation was unraveled in my thinking, and I realized the logic of just one life. Now, here we go. First of all, let me mention that many times in my yoga classes, I actually taught my students reincarnation by referencing the Bible, specifically the words of Jesus. That's going to be my first reason for discarding the belief of reincarnation, the proper understanding of Jesus's words. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17, verses 10 through 13. The disciples came to Jesus and said, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And Jesus answered them and said, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. That's Matthew 17, verses 10 through 13. Well, uh, why did the scribes teach that Elijah had to come before the Messiah came? It was a reference to Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, where 
the last two verses of the Bible say, Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse or strike the earth with a curse. So the interpretation of that passage was that before the Messiah came, there would need to be a reappearance of Elijah. And then this was, of course, affirmed by the visitation of the angel Gabriel when he spoke to Zacharias about the birth of John the Baptist. In his communication to Zacharias, Gabriel explained that even though he and his wife were well stricken in years, they would have a son. He went on to say that he will go before him, and it's a reference to the Messiah. He will go before the Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So here you have the original prophecy in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, and then you have a reaffirmation of that by the angel Gabriel speaking to Zacharias, the high priest, who was the father of John the Baptist. Now, what did all of that mean, that before the Messiah came, Elijah must come? And why did the angel say he would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. See, I use those passages to prove that John the Baptist was a reincarnation of Elijah and that Jesus taught reincarnation. But when you properly exegete these passages of scripture, then you find out what it's really referencing. Because see, Elisha, the prophet who inherited his mantle from Elijah, spoke to Elijah right before he was caught up in a whirlwind. The fiery chariot came and whisked Elijah away into a heavenly realm. And of course, Elijah asked Elisha, before I go, what would you ask of me? And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now, he wasn't talking about becoming a reincarnation of Elijah, because number one, Elijah never died. He just was translated from a natural to a supernatural, from a mortal to an immortal form, from a corruptible to an incorruptible form. He was immediately transferred into a glorified state. But on top of that, he wasn't asking for the actual human spirit from Elijah to pass to him when he said, I want a double portion of your spirit, he was referring to the anointing, the presence of the power of God that rested upon Elijah, enabling him to do the miraculous works he did. And it happened. Elisha has double the recorded miracles in his ministry. And so if the spirit of Elijah passing to Elisha meant that in 2 Kings chapter 2, that it was a transfer of the anointing or an awakening of a similar yet doubled anointing. Then when the angel Gabriel said to Zacharias that John the Baptist would go before the Messiah in the spirit and power of Elijah, he wasn't talking about a reincarnation of the prophet Elijah, because that couldn't have happened anyway, 
because as I already mentioned, Elijah never died. And so he still had his body, of course, eternally transfigured, transformed, but it was not possible that he could be reincarnated because he didn't have only a soul to be incarnated again in another body. And on top of that, it was a transfer of the anointing to John the Baptist, a similar calling. Elijah turned the hearts of the people back to true religion, away from idolatry and polytheism and the worship of false gods. And so John the Baptist turned people back to true religion, away from the strict legalism of Judaism that had gone beyond the boundaries of the Torah. And so it was a similar calling, a similar anointing, a similar purpose, a similar spirit in his life. So one of the reasons, the first reason that I've discarded the belief in reincarnation is I have learned to properly interpret the words of Jesus. Another instance is where the disciples asked Jesus about the blind man that they encountered in John chapter 9. They said, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? If a person born blind, of course, they don't have an opportunity in that particular life to commit a sin in order to bring that disease upon themselves. And so certainly it wasn't a reference to that. No baby in the womb can sin. And so the disciples must have been affected by this idea of reincarnation. That was a time when there were many merchants passing through the land of Israel from the Far East. And so there was some type of discussion, I'm sure, of the ideas stemming from Hinduism. And uh, I'm sure people thought about that and pondered it in their minds. So it was a question in the minds of the disciples whether or not reincarnation was valid. And they said, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And listen to Jesus' response. He said, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God might be manifested in him. And it was all for the glory of God. It was all for the glory of God so that God could bring forth a miracle in his life. And so Jesus, right there in that instance, refuted the idea of reincarnation attached to negative karma, producing negative situations in a person's life. So number one reason that I no longer believe in reincarnation is the proper interpretation of Jesus's words. My second reason that I no longer believe in reincarnation is this. How can evil, imperfection, and suffering manifest in the life of a person who is born for the first time, the first human incarnation? Of course, some reincarnationists believe that the essence of life, the soul, passes from a mineral state to a vegetable state to an animal state to a human state, and then and Hindus teach that you are reincarnated over a million times in this evolutionary process. Well, the first time that a person is placed in a human body, that person has a clean slate. There's no evil, no imperfection, no suffering evidenced in that life. Well, then how does it make its appearance to begin with if there's only perfection in that incarnated soul then how does imperfection, evil, and suffering 
begin to manifest because there's no negative karma to reap. That doesn't make any sense that suddenly something perfect could become imperfect for no reason. And so that's the second reason I no longer believe in reincarnation. The third reason is the justice of God. I used to feel that believing in reincarnation preserved the integrity of God. It preserved the justice of God. For instance, if a child is born physically debilitated or in abject poverty, there is no other explanation for such a condition than the presupposition that this is a repayment for evil behavior in a former life. If you believe in reincarnation, that would be your logical assumption. Otherwise, allowing such a circumstance, we believed back then, would be sufficient evidence to indict the Almighty God with the crime of injustice, because a loving creator would never allow such a terrible plight to come upon an innocent child. And that's the reason all negative circumstances were blamed on karmic indebtedness. That way, it's not God's fault, it's our fault. <laughs> Believing in this line of logic supposedly preserves the integrity and justness of God and places the blame on man for his own predicament. But does this really answer the questions we all ask about human suffering? Or does it instead catapult the entire human race into an even greater abyss of despair? Because if this scenario is true, then the innocent child is no longer innocent and good people who suffer are no longer good. Instead, they are all guilty parties who should unresistingly submit to the punishment they deserve. How could this possibly be fair and just treatment, especially since those who suffer have no recollection of the ill deeds for which they are being punished? Furthermore, because there is no remembrance of the action that caused the problem, unfortunate recipients of such karmic curses cannot assess their wrong behavior patterns in order to make necessary adjustments to their character. Now, in Buddhism, this whole idea of reincarnation becomes even more unjust. It's magnified to an even greater degree, because in Buddhism, you have the concept of no self no self, anatta, which means you have no soul. There is no soul that passes from one incarnation to the next, just something that could be called an unconscious disposition, like a spark of existence, but it's no personal existence identified with a soul that passes from one incarnation to the next. So uh, you are suffering for the misdeeds of another person altogether in Buddhism. And that is absolute injustice to the highest degree of cosmic proportions in reality. And so that's the third reason I no longer believe in reincarnation, because even though I still do not understand the inequities of this life and why one person can be born into a wealthy family, another into abject poverty, one can be born with a healthy body and another with all kinds of terrible diseases, even at an early age. None of that is easy to wrap your mind around. But still, God being a just God and the justice of God 
are preserved more by a belief in one life than a belief in reincarnation and karma. Now, the fourth reason I no longer believe in reincarnation is this, that karma is an impossible to solve, exponentially growing payback system is somewhat similar to the debt-based currency that we now have called fiat money. Whenever the Federal Reserve decides to print new money, they just create it out of nothing. And some of it is actually printed currency and other is just digital. It's on a computer somewhere. And they create all of this money, loan it to the United States, because the Federal Reserve is neither federal nor is it a reserve. A reserve means it's backed by gold or backed by something that has actual value. And it's not federal because it's not a United States organization. It is a privately owned bank. And when they loan money to the United States after creating it out of nothing, then we owe it back to them with interest. And so in order for us to pay back that money, the Federal Reserve has got to create more money so that we can pay back the previous money borrowed and it's exponential. It just keeps growing and eventually the bubble will burst. Well, the same is true with respect to reincarnation. See, let me give you an example. Uh, just suppose a man during his lifetime robs a hundred people, then he has to be robbed a hundred times. So let's say that's by a hundred separate people. Suppose a hundred different robbers have to rob him in order for his karmic debt to be paid off. Well, that in itself creates more karmic debt because all of those 100 robbers have to be robbed. And certainly they didn't just rob one time. So let's say each one of them robbed 100 times. Then there's got to be 100 robbers for each one of those 100 robbers. That's 100 times 100 now that rob them in order for that karmic debt to be paid off. And it just keeps increasing. There's no end to it. It's exponential. And on top of that, what about this idea that were those people who robbed the initial robber, the original robber, forced by karma to participate in the process, and then they end up reaping karma for something that karma forces them into doing? Or did karma, did this system of karmic payoff just search through the database of the human race in order to find those who were minded toward robbing of their own free will and somehow position them at the right place at the right time? How difficult that would be to orchestrate? How does it all work and how could it ever be solved? Well, it can't be solved. It just keeps growing and growing and growing beyond a solution. And that's the number four reason I no longer believe in reincarnation. Now, I'm going to cover the next 11 reasons, if possible, on the next episode of Revealing the True Light. And if it goes beyond the next episode, we'll go a third time. But we're going to keep pursuing this subject. It's a very important subject. Why? Because according to a recent poll, one-third of adults in the United States of America believe in reincarnation. If one-third of the mature population of our nation believes in this doctrine, then it is definitely something we need to address. 
So join me on the next episode. And also, I cover this subject in even much greater depth in my book, In Search of the True Light. I urge you to go to the website, thetruelight.net, and order your copy today. Thank you for joining Mike Shreve today on Revealing the True Light. And thank you for opening your mind and your heart to the truth. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can explore the beliefs of many world religions more deeply by ordering Mike Shree's book titled In Search of the True Light. We also invite you to visit our website, thetruelight.net, and sign up to be part of our global internet family.